In the Gospels, Jesus is speaking and talking with the disciples and others, and he's talking about the last days right before he sets up the kingdom. And uh, he uh, is talking about uh, when the king returns. And he says, uh, when, when I come again, will I find faith on the earth? I wish I had taken time to look it up. The Holy Spirit just reminded me of that passage. But uh, will I find faith on the earth? As I was looking and, and reading through First John chapter 2, looking at these various people that Jesus, excuse me, that the Holy Spirit is writing to, actually was Jesus because he's the Word of God, but, uh, and, and the reasons why uh, he wrote to them, I was, I, I, that passage came to me. He says, I write in verse 13, I'm sorry, in verse 13, I write unto you fathers because you have known him from the beginning. You've known who? You've known the Lord Jesus from the beginning. Not from Jesus' beginning, because he has no beginning, but from the beginning of the gospel. From the time they, they first heard about Jesus, heard about the gift of salvation. He said, I, I write unto you because you have known him from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. Wow. We have a number of young men in our church. Of course, when you get my age, almost everybody's young. But uh, but we have another number of young men in our church. Look how many of them are here tonight. Okay. Some are perhaps deer hunting. Some of them perhaps got home late. But uh, I've discovered in low these many years that we have a tendency to do what we really want to do. And I'm thinking perhaps they're not here because they didn't really want to be here. In which case, they did not overcome the wicked one. He overcame them. And that's kind of tragic. That breaks my heart as a pastor. Because John said, I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. And I write unto you, little children, church people, church members, because you have known the Father. And it is so sweet to know the Father. You know? I mean, to know Him in all the, the various aspects of His character. He is all-powerful. So I have absolutely no fear what anybody can do to me. You know? I don't have to worry about somebody walking up and killing me. I don't have to worry about somebody stealing all my stuff. I don't have to worry about it. He's the Father. It all belongs to him anyhow. If he wants somebody else to have it, fine. He didn't promise I'd always have all my stuff. He promised he would always take care of me. He would never leave me and never forsake me. And if I would delight in him, he'd give me the desires in my heart. Well, I've seen that happen over and over and over and over and over again. It's just so sweet to watch God work. I've written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. 
I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. It's not easy for a young man to be strong this day and time. Okay? First of all, he's constantly being bombarded at school with the idea that uh, it's not right to be macho. You know? If he acts like a man, they're going to call him a chauvinist. When the truth of the matter is, God has different roles for different genders, different roles for different individuals within the family. And if you don't know the Word of God, you don't know what your role is. When I was growing up, I was incredibly blessed to have a a dad who was the head of our home. My mother was the neck. No, my mother was the heart of our home. Okay? Our neighbors, the mother was the neck. She turned the head wherever she wanted it to turn. But in our house, dad was the head, mom was the heart. I am sure they did not always agree, but I only heard them disagree one time. And my mother explained why she disagreed with a particular decision that dad had made, something we were going to do. And when she finished, he said, I understand that, but we're going to do this. And that she didn't say another word. Not about that. And we did what Dad wanted, and it worked out wonderfully well. It was just real sweet. But when I didn't feel well, or when I skinned my knee or <clears throat> broke my arm or whatever, I didn't go to Dad. I went to Mom. Because she was the heart of our home. She was the one who could feel my pain. She was also the one who could cause my pain. (laughs) Because she understood that dad was busy and if he wasn't home, he couldn't deal with the discipline. And there wasn't any sense in us having to wait till dad got home for him to deal with it. So she just dealt with it. And uh, quite honestly... Uh, Her method of dealing with it was very, very effective because she never spanked us. She didn't say, I love you, and I want everybody else to like you too. I'm going to spank you because it's what God says to do. It's not what I want to do, but it's what the Word of God says. And we'd pray, get our spankings. It's just, it was sweet. I write unto you, fathers, you've known him from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong. You know who his responsibility is to teach a young man to be strong? Not his mom. His father. His father. Do you know that young people today have no concept of manners, of courtesy? You know, I mean, yeah, everybody recognizes that, right? I see it all the time. And I think what strikes me because I see it the most often is a young man and a young woman are walking down the street together, down the sidewalk together, and the woman's on the outside. Okay? From my generation, everybody understands that that means she's available. She's available. She's just walking with him for protection. <clears throat> she, you know. 
She'll walk with anybody else. Okay? Whoa, my wife always walks on the inside. I walk on the outside. I am her protection. But I am also her husband, her lover. People don't open doors for each other anymore. Men don't open doors for their wives. I have been so grateful since Mary got hurt because I have to help her into the car. Sometimes she's feeling well and she can hop right in by herself, but it's made me aware that I need to open her door and let her get in the car and then I go around and get in my side. And that's just the way it ought to be. And we need to teach our sons that. Our young men ought to be strong. And the Word of God, it says, should abide in them. I write unto you, young men, because you're strong, and the Word of God abideth in you. Does the Word of God abide in our young men? I think sometimes some of our young men are disturbed by the Word of God. The very fact that God would have anything to say about how they should behave and how they should live. And that concerns me. Because we shall all stand before God and give an answer for the things done in the flesh, whether they be good or evil. Every man should give an account to God for every idle word that proceeds out of his mouth. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And if the word of God abides in a young man, then they can overcome the wicked one. Because Jesus only used two things to conquer Satan on the Mount of Temptation. Do you remember what they are? What they were? The Word of God and the Spirit of God. Satan said, hey, if you're really God, command these rocks and they'll be made into bread. I have been to Israel. There are rocks everywhere. Jesus could not have eaten that much bread in three lifetimes. Okay? But that's beside the point. The point is, he looked at Satan and said, man shall not live by bread alone, but... Man shall live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now consider that. If you are a young man and you've never read the whole Bible through, cover to cover, you don't know how to live. Because man shall live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Every word. And the Spirit of God was there. Satan took him on the pinnacle of the temple and he said, Hey, Psalmist said, if you throw yourself down, the angels will bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said, The word says, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Each time Jesus was tempted, He used the scripture and overcame the wicked one. 
And then uh, the writer of the New Testament, I think it's the book of Hebrews, says, there is no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. And God is faithful, who will, with the temptation, also make a way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. What's the way of escape? Quote Scripture. Quote Scripture. Whoa, something pornographic flashes across your uh, computer screen, and it can happen without you doing anything. And that happens, and you immediately say, I have made a covenant with mine eyes that they will not look on any unclean thing. That's the Word of God. Well, if you make a covenant, you've got to keep your side of the covenant, right? So you turn the computer off. Tempted to pick up another cigarette after you've promised God that you're not going to do it. And just as you begin to light it, you can say, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Dwelleth in you? You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The Scripture will overcome the wicked one. One of my favorites. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Woohoo! Hey, you know. And it's not this, it's this. Jesus abides in me and I in him. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I'm planning on living forever. I'm planning on abiding forever. Everybody's going to live forever somewhere. But I'm going to abide in Him and with Him. And I can hardly wait to get started. In fact, I already started. I just want to see His face. Hold His hand. You know, walk and talk with Him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. Dear Lord, thank you for the praises tonight. Thank you for the prayer request and for the fact that we already know you're going to answer them. We want your will to be done. And dear Lord, give us the wisdom to to recognize your will. And dear Lord, bring glory and honor to yourself in our lives, in our families, in our homes, in our church, and in our world. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.